Wrestling with Theology is a weekly Bible study that seeks to equip you to wrestle with the theologies that surround us in our everyday life. Through these studies, your faith in Christ will be strengthened through the Scriptures and the Lutheran Confessions. Join Pastor Minton for these next few minutes as he helps you get ready to wrestle with theology. right, it's time once again for Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, here to dig deeper with you into the book of Exodus as we get into the furnishings of the tabernacle this month. As we look at the furnishings of the tabernacle, we have four major pieces of furniture. The Ark of the Covenant, the Table of Showbread, the Golden Lampstand, and the Altar of Incense. And if you look at diagrams of the tabernacle, you have the table of showbread and the golden lampstand on opposite sides with the altar of incense standing in front of the curtain that separates the holy place from the most holy place. We'll get to that next month. Where And in the most holy place, you have the Ark of the Covenant. But when God delivers the outline and the blueprint for the tabernacle to Moses, he gives it from the inside out. So we start with the Ark of the Covenant. Chapter 25 of Exodus, verses 10 through 16. They shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and outside you shall overlay it, and you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four feet, two rings on the one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. So all of this is fulfilled in chapter 37, verses 1 through 9. Again, this is the doubling up where God has Moses given the blueprint and then Moses fulfills the blueprint with the help of the Israelites and the laborers that are brought forth. So the Ark of the Covenant, two and a half by one and a half by one and a half cubits or 45 by 27 by 27 inches. So the size of a decent ottoman. It's first in the revealed pattern to Moses because it is the most important. This is the place where God will make his presence known. This is the place, as we'll see in a moment, where the atonement actually happens on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Wooden inside and then overlaid with gold, which is an inverse representation of the Incarnation. And basically this is a pre-shadowing of the Transfiguration where Peter, James, and John receive a glimpse of the golden glory of Jesus shining through the vast humanness of his flesh. And then we have the poles that are there. 
we often see ideas of the Ark of the Covenant in Sunday school pictures where you have the poles in it. In a lot of the material, in a lot of the furniture, the poles are removable. They're just there for carrying. But the Ark of the Covenant, the poles are never to be removed. So when they make the frame of the tabernacle, they have to make it to where the poles fit in too. They're not just stored off somewhere else. Why do we have the poles never being allowed out? Because no one is allowed to touch the ark, except for the priest who were there to move it. I mean, we look at Uzzah, who, when the... We look at Uzzah, who was worried about the ark falling out of the cart when David was bringing it into Jerusalem. He was struck down dead because he was not the one who should be touching the ark. And when the ark is touched, it is only on the poles as it is being carried. But on top of the ark, you have a lid. And one of the most, one of the most elaborate lids on this box. And it's described in verses 17 through 22 of chapter 25. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length and a cubit and a half its breadth. You shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammered work you shall make them on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on the one end and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. So we have this mercy seat being the throne of God on earth. All one piece. The two cherubim. And no description is given of what the cherubim look like. But... You have the cherubim with their wings overshadowing the mercy seat, kind of shading the mercy seat from the outside elements. Is it necessary? No, but it is a picture of that overarching shadow of God as our refuge. And it's to all be of one piece. So this entire Piece, the lid plus the cherubim, not soldered together, not glued together or melted together, all of one hammered piece. So I'm sure this was one guy's entire work and probably his life's work in there. So the cherubim shadow the mercy seat while facing with their faces down, very similar to what Isaiah sees in chapter 6 as the cherub, the six-winged seraphim fly with two wings, cover their faces with two wings, and cover their feet with the other two wings so that they don't see the glory of God because they are created beings too. All of it is in shadow because God will come and dwell on top of this mercy seat. And this is where when God speaks to Moses through Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, this is where God speaks to him from. Because it is when the 
pillar of smoke or the pillar of fire stops that they set up camp, the first thing set up is the tabernacle. The first thing in the tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant because that is the most important place. Now we move from the most holy place into the holy place and look at the table of showbread next, or the table of the presence, as it is often called as well. So we look at verses 23 through 30 of chapter 25. You shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make a rim around it about a hand breadth wide and a molding of gold around the rim. And you shall make for it four rings of gold and fasten the rings to the four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame the rings shall lie as holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and the table shall be carried with these. And you shall make its plates and dishes for incense and its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold. And you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. This again is fulfilled in chapter 37, verses 10 through 16. So you have two cubits by one cubit by one and a half high, which is 36 inches by 18 inches by 27 high once again. The dishes also made to make incense offerings for drink offerings to be put onto the bread that is there. And the bread of the presence, as it is called, comes to us as 12 loaves that are put on this table. Each one of them with a little bit of incense on them. Each one with a little bit of oil on them. As we see in Leviticus 24, they're put there, for, one for each of the tribes of Israel, so that God has his people in his presence as the priests are working from day to day. And these loaves are put out each week and exchanged. This is the bread that David collected while he was running from Saul in 1 Samuel 21, that Jesus talks about in Matthew 12, that it's only for the priest to eat, but the priest gave it to David so that he and his men had something to eat. Because even though it is given to the priest, it is again the priest's discretion to help those who need the help at the time. This is the helping hand of being a neighbor and loving our neighbor as ourself. So now we move to the only light in the tabernacle, the golden lampstand. So we read from chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. This will also be repeated in, again, chapter 37, verses 17 through 24. God tells Moses, You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be made of hammered work. Its base, its stem, its cups, its calyxes, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. And there shall be six branches going out of its sides. Three branches of the lampstand out of the one side of it, and three branches of the lampstand out on the other side of it. Three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower on one branch, and three cups made like olive blossoms, each with calyx and flower on the other branch and so for the six branches going out from the lampstand. And on the lampstand itself there shall be four cups made like almond blossoms, with their calyxes and flowers, 
and a calyx of one piece with it underneath each pair of the six branches going out from the lampstand. Their calyxes and their branches shall be of one piece with it, the whole of it a single piece of hammered work of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and the lamp shall be set up so as to give light on the space in front of it. Its tongs and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made with all these utensils out of one talent of pure gold. And see that you make them after the pattern for them, which is being shown you on the mountain. A talent of pure gold to make this lampstand. 75 pounds. So this is a monster of a lampstand. But I want to go first into the lampstand in the tabernacle in the temple is not a menorah. Menorahs come from the Feast of Dedication or Hanukkah when Judas Maccabeus cleanses the temple from Antiochus IV. There are eight branches on the menorah. There are seven on the golden lampstand. There are eight on the menorah because there was oil that miraculously lasted for eight days. And that's where the eight days of Hanukkah come from. The seven on the golden lampstand are because there are seven days in the week. It's also for the seven spirits or seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that come upon us. Once again, you have seven days in the week, seven days of creation. And so there is all this reminder of the wondrous of God. Why? Because as I said, this is the only light in the tabernacle. As we get to the exterior next month, you'll see that there is no chance for light to get in from the sun. This is all light from this lampstand that shows that Jesus is the light of the world. It is only through God that we have true light. God goes on to tell Moses in chapter 27, verses 20 and 21, a particular oil that can be used in this lampstand. You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you pure beaten olive oil for the light, that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn. In the tent of meeting outside the veil that is before the testimony, Aaron and his son shall tend it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel. So as we'll see, there are priests who are dedicated to making sure the fire stays lit on the altar. Outside, for the burnt offerings, you have priests who are designated inside to be, keep the lampstand burning because it is the only light. And olive oil, pure beaten olive oil, is to be used for it. So now we got the two big pieces. The two where they show the presence of God's people in and among the holiness of God. So now we move to the piece of furniture that connects the two. The altar of incense. This is in chapter 30 that God reveals this plan. So chapter 30, verses 1 through 10. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. Obviously God's favorite tree, but you know that's just my opinion. 
A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horn shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and on around its sides and its horns. And you shall make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding on two opposite sides of it you shall make them. And they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put it in front of the veil that is before the ark that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony, where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. With the blood of the sin offering of atonement, he shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. So here we have So here we have the altar of incense. A small altar, 18 by 18 by 36, with horns on the corners. This is very important in medieval church architecture as the altar where the Lord's Supper is presented from would have four horns and you would have different readings from each of the four horns. So you had an Old Testament horn, you had a psalm horn, you had an epistle horn, and you had a gospel horn. And instead of a lectern, instead of the pulpit, you had the readings done from there. It's changed in a lot of places where it's basically from the bishop's seat now or from the pulpit, but things change when people decide we want to do something a little different. We don't need all the formality. But God is a God of formality. So it's placed in front of the veil that separates the most holy place from the holy place. Why is that important? Because you have especially in the especially in the book of revelation in chapters 4 and 5 you have the 24 elders holding bowls of incense which are the prayers of the saints the altar of incense is where heaven and earth truly connect as Aaron and his sons give the where Aaron and his sons offer incense along with the prayers of the people to God, so that the smell of the incense, the smoke wafts up toward heaven like our prayers ascending before God. And there's a special incense formula used, and I'll get to that in a moment. But the restrictions on the altar of incense, it is strictly an altar for incense. No burnt offerings, no drink offerings, just the incense. Because the incense is that bit of spice and perfume and wonderful smell that ascends into the nostrils of God as it is put in the prophets to see that what we are offering in our prayers is a pleasing offering. And so that we have that story of Zechariah in the temple when Gabriel reveals to him that Elizabeth and he will be the parents of John the baptizer. 
this is exactly what he's doing. He is trimming the lamps on the lampstand. He is taking care of the altar of incense, offering the incense up to the Lord when he receives this vision, when he receives the visitation. This was his job that week. And so this is that very important moment that we have. So what about this incense? What do we have here? Well, we are in chapter 30 again, going to the end of the chapter, chapter 34, or chapter 30, verse 34 through 38. The Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stockte and anica and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall there be an equal part, and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small, and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you. And the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. Some of you know that I am and my family are an oily people. I do have a blend of many of the articles here that I use as a scent to, in the diffuser to ten, to set up a mood for contemplation and reflection as I sit in my office. And there are many times at my last congregation where I needed that calming, grounding influence. Am I breaking the law here in Exodus 30 by making something similar to it? No, because we are not bound by that law anymore. We are not bound by what happened at the tabernacle. But we see how the tabernacle is a basis for our worship. How we worship today in a liturgical setting comes from the fact that the tabernacle was a very liturgical setting for worship as well. And so we have the great things. And the furniture in the tabernacle relates similarly, especially to the altar in our churches today, where our prayers are offered, where we receive the atonement for our sins in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the light of the world given to us as his word is proclaimed in our midst. So then we receive the great gifts that he has for us. So we've gone through the furniture that's inside the tabernacle. As I said, next month we'll go through the exterior, the frame, and why I make such a big deal out of the lampstand being the only light. And you'll see that next month as we dig deeper. But I encourage you, but I encourage you to continue to listen. Listen to the moments of meditation that come out every weekday. Listen Next week, as we go into Pro Wrestling America, even if you are not a wrestling fan, or if you are younger and only know the current stars and don't really know the history and the background, listen to it anyway. I try to make it wonderful and 
insightful. But, you know, if you find it to be flat and boring, okay, skip over it. Just listen to the confessional corner on the first Wednesday of the month. Listen to Digging Deeper on the third Wednesday as we keep going further in God's Word so that we can see what it means to us and what we can do with it. So until next time, this is Pastor Doug Minton wishing you God's richest blessings as you wrestle with theology this week. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments about what you have heard on Wrestling With Theology, send an email to wrestlingwiththeology at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed this podcast, make sure you have subscribed so it will show up automatically on your podcast app. Please also share the podcast so that more may be equipped to wrestle with theology.